0: Well, I have seen people that have spent and wasted a lot of money by doing it in the wrong sequence.
1: You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 293. I've got some help for you to identify the black hole profit trains lurking around in your business. You ready for this? Let's get started. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson. And today I've got a guest joining me to, we're going to do some uh, numbers and some business building through the back end of your business. And I kind of geek out on this stuff because a lot of people don't look at the profits. They just look at the revenue and they have Uh, A bit of a wake up call when they start to realize they're not really making money in their business. So, my guest today is going to help us uh, illuminate some opportunities to boost profits while addressing places where maybe you're kind of in the tank with your revenue generation. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind as uh, I had this discussion with my guest is when we understand profit, we understand that what we do, like what we have as a work product, what our deliverables are, we've got to be able to scale them without spending so much time delivering them. There's a lot of ways to do it, but I cover one of my favorites in my seven-step framework to add another 125000 to your business this year. And this framework is the same framework I've used over and over and over again to grow my business, to pivot my brand at one point, to uh, be able to grow the reach of my work and do what I love most, which means I get to stay in my superpowers. So I'd love to share it with you. I've made it free. It's a complimentary uh, resource that I'm offering right now. If you go to amplifywithmelanie.com, you'll get it. Now, I'd like for you to review all seven of the steps, and I actually add a couple bonus ones in there, because um, there's chances are you are um, might be missing one or two of the puzzle pieces that help when you put all of them together, stand out in a crowded market, and be able to command those higher prices and do them confidently. Okay, so AmplifyWithMoney.com. Now, let's get into my guest today. Welcome back amplifiers. I am excited to talk about the black holes that are draining profits from your bottom line today. And saying I'm excited to talk about that may sound a little strange, but I think if we can illuminate some of the practices and blind spots in our financial practices, then all of this hard work, can go towards building profits in our business. Let me introduce you to our special guest today, Amy Rose Herrick. Now she is known as America's profit building specialist. She trains entrepreneurs uh, or their staff worldwide in as little as 15 minutes on how to build bigger bottom lines, saving them time and money, which we both need more of. We all need more of that, right? She's positively impacting generations of families' wealth family wealth, family's wealth. Yes. Family's wealth with her talents on a more personal note. She is the author of several books with the most recent being the inspiring faith building number one, bestseller pack faith. First suitcases. Second, a decade of miracles after 50, and she'll be releasing 11 more books by the end of 2022. Well, Amy, that is intriguing 11 more books. From the time we t- we talk till the end of the, the year. How are you doing on that goal?
0: <laughs> well, um, I already have the covers done. I have the content done. And at this point, I am throwing it out there. I am seeking additional individuals to do some reviews for me before I do the final copy if they have any comments. So I have titles that are individual and then also business-based. So if that is an interest, mm-hmm. you should reach out to me and, and be one of those to get the first sneak peek. So I'm really okay. just the new stage so that I can finish out the back covers
1: and then they're ready to go. Wow. That's impressive. All right. So talk about a bold goal. We're going to check in with you at the end of the year and see how that, that came to fruition. <laughs> well, we're talking about profit black holes today. Why don't you just take a minute to define what does a profit black hole mean to an entrepreneur or business owner?
0: Well, most entrepreneur business owners, you have black holes in your business. They are the items or plural with an S items that are sucking or draining the profit out of your bottom line. And what happens in most cases is you cannot always see them. You don't identify them. They're a little hidden and bookkeepers can't find them. Your tax person usually doesn't find them because that's not their job to look for them. And so if I I want to do a real quick example of a black hole draining your business, let's pretend that you're in a service-based business and let's pretend that you have an individual that is underneath you, whether they're contracted or an employee, either way, and you are charging $150 for this service because that's about what everybody else is charging. And you don't know if they're making money or not, but that's the number we picked. Well, I go back, and if I look back at the true cost of an employee or providing the service, we did this with one not too long ago, we discovered when you go through the various layers, there were some layers they were missing, and it really cost us $198 to provide it. And so there was, we're making more money, but we're earning less. How is this happening? So there can be black holes that can be dealt with on the way that you're pricing a service because your assumptions were wrong, and just about every area. So does that give you one kind of concrete example?
1: Yeah, that's great, and I and that's such a common misstep, and and it's again it's in most entrepreneurs' blind spot. They're not even thinking to look at those areas. So fantastic example. Uh, I'm really intrigued by something that as I was researching you and looking over your um, different areas of expertise, you um, refer to something called the 1% rule when uh, deciding between owning or renting. And I'm assuming that refers to whether you own or rent an office, but maybe it is, has to do with your home office as well. Like, how, Tell us a little bit about the, <coughs> excuse me, this 1% rule.
0: Well, the 1% rule has made it easy for me to take any property, whether it's for myself, I apply this for clients, and we can determine with the 1% rule whether you should buy the property home or for your business, or you should rent it. And hypothetically, again, let's use a concrete example. Let's say that the building is $400,000. I don't care if it's your office. I don't care if it's your home. And if you can rent it, For less than $4,000 a month, which would be 1% of the $400,000 value, I'm going to tell you not to buy it and not take on the responsibilities of ownership. Because when I look at ownership of that property, not only do we have usually principal and interest payments, which everybody thinks of, you've got casualty insurance. But what's killer for most of those transactions is the maintenance and upkeep. I really want people to build into their budget somewhere between three and 5% of the value of the property. And on a $400,000 property, you're talking about 12 to $20,000 on maintenance. And if you bought a fixer upper, cause you thought you were going to save money, I'm going to tell you, we may need as much as 10% for a couple of years. And it can take that ownership equation and completely blow it out of the water. And that has made it very easy. And for those of you who are, are, you know, if you happen to be watching this and you'll see my background, I live in the Caribbean. I have lived here almost 11 years. I have not been able to make home ownership workable for me because I cannot buy a property for what I can rent it for. So why do I want on the hook for all of the repairs, the maintenance, not upgrading? And when you start adding these numbers up, any property. You can look at it and say, oh, I think I want to move into that. How much can you rent a similar property for in that neighborhood versus what can you buy it? And there's some formulas and things I have that go along with that because I even kick in. Some of you think about buying a house. Oh, I'm going to be here for five to seven years and then I'm going to move on. Well, when you sell that house, I figure you're going to lose 10%. So let's say the 400,000 doesn't even appreciate Well, that's $40,000. And I would divide that selling cost by the five years I plan to be there. And when you start adding all these layers on, there are times when I feel people have way overextended on buying a property, which robs your bottom line personally or in your business, when it would have been so much less expensive for you to rent it. And then you get to keep the difference and decide what to do with it. So does that really help you understand the 1% rule.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a deep dive into really the the strategy. If you're considering renting or buying, like you really need to kind of run the numbers and use your 1% rule to, to understand like what, what is the long term impact of this decision, not just the right now impact of this decision?
0: Yeah. And can I tag onto that my rule of 10?
1: Okay, I was going to ask you about your rule of 10, so sure. Well,
0: because the two things really kind of go hand in hand. Now, let's pretend that when I've done my numbers, I have determined that I can save $10,000 a year by renting versus buying an identical property. So that's 10 grand. Not going to talk about taxes appreciation. We're talking about the 10 grand difference. Well, if I take that $10,000 and I forecast that out 10 years, That's $100,000 difference to my bottom line. That's huge. Now, whether it is $500 a month or $200 a month, you can still use that 1% rule and then multiply that times 10 years. And when you start adding a couple of these things together, it's not always big changes, folks. It really can have a huge impact on what your financial future looks like and what your resources are you have to work with.
1: What are, I'm really curious about this rule of 10 and I'm wondering, you know, cause entrepreneurs are making changes all the time mm-hmm. and normally they're, they're evaluating the change to, uh, adding, you know, different offerings or maybe changing their brand positioning. Does that play out in any other way? Like on other types of changes on, of the business they may be considering.
0: Oh, absolutely. We just went through this one here the other day because I've also trained my staff on this to look at things. There was a particular program that we were looking at picking up and we had the choice of doing it monthly, which is common. We had the choice of paying for it annually and you usually get, you know, one or two months free or a discount. There was also a three-year option. You know, that's a little different. And then there was what's called the lifetime option. (laughs) And so in looking at the different ones and forecasting, you know, realistically, how long are we going to use this tool? And we looked at it and said, yeah, something better may come out. But, you know, this really does so much and more than we've got room to grow with this tool. We ended up taking the lifetime option because we figured out that by doing the lifetime option, we would basically be paying for 35 months, a little less than three years, which was an option we were going to look at anyway. And then we would have it every month after that was free however much we used it. And again, looking at what the difference would be, you know whether I did it monthly, which was going to be the most expensive route. If I was going to do it yearly, I'd save a little bit, three years, yes. But in this case, the lifetime ended up really making those financial sense for us. Because I don't, it's a social media tool, folks. I don't see social media declining.
1: Yeah, probably not. <laughs> maybe yep. maybe even adding, right?
0: <laughs> Expanding, but not reducing. So in, in any of those type of things, even if you don't do 10 years, look at it from the three year. Well, this is probably a three year. This is maybe a five year. And it really can help you see how even a small amount can have a huge multiplying effect. And I'll go back to what if that has a multiplier effect, you know, uh, a couple of thousand dollars here and $500 and a couple of thousand here. And it's not that hard to where you have a significant change in your bottom line and you can keep building on that without dramatically changing your, your business style.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about unplanned business interruptions. We we are coming out of an unprecedented time in our world where a lot of people had significant unexpected business interruptions, right? And but it happens all the time. You know, a business owner gets sick. Um, you know, some kind of family situation emerges. Uh, industries change. Like, how do you how would you uh, encourage somebody to plan for that? in a way that would minimize the disruption to their profit building.
0: Well, some of it, uh, I'm going to talk for just a a quick minute about premises. Let's talk about premises real quick because I've I've got some sessions and things I've done on being prepared. Folks, I will share with you, I live in the Caribbean. So my big threat is tropical storms and hurricanes. Uh, We also have power interruption issues all the time. And if somebody hits the pole, I can lose my cell service. So I have to really live with, site-based problems. I look at businesses and go through and say, "All right, I just went 5 days without water. This was not by choice. It was because stuff happened, all right?" What is your backup plan? So if you have a business or you have a location you're operating out of and I turn your water off for 5 days, what's your backup plan? Do you have any water on premises? Do you are you going to flush your toilets? How are you gonna wash your hands? Do you have sanitizer? And for some people, a site-based, you may just have a box with a checklist of to get by so I don't have to close my doors and I can keep operating. What do I need to have? What if I don't have electrical because of storm damage? And it's not just hurricanes, it's not just COVID. Folks, we have thunderstorms, ice storms, snowstorms, wildfires, floods. Shall I pick another one? That it happens. And with that, you know, if you didn't have electricity, for many of you, you could invest less than $2,000 into a generator and you would still be able to do whatever it is you need to do, even if you had a power outage and nobody else has power around you. So some of it you start with your site based. And then beyond the site based, I take it a step further of what about your suppliers? Your suppliers can interrupt your business. We've seen that. Uh, We had one individual here, unprecedented. Their business here, their business on St. Thomas and their business on Florida all happened to be hit by the same two Cat 5 hurricanes that went through here, different locations. Their suppliers were primarily based in those areas. What did we learn from this? They should have an international supplier and they have suppliers at different coasts so that in the event of a a regional disaster that upsets your supply chain that you've already got relationships established, we just change, we we'll order. reorder. We can re- move location, where would you move? In my case, if I totally lost my location, I can pack everything up, little bit that I need, pay for a couple of suitcases, get on a plane, I can operate anywhere. That's me. But what can you do? Click one of them off. This disaster happens, what am I gonna do? What can I do? And you already have those things in place so that you've got a plan to go to. And for some of you that have staffing, whether it is uh, contractors or other staffing, you got a phone tree. How are you going to know if you're even going to have employees that are going to show up in your regional disaster? They may have their own world to deal with. W- you know. So I think it really takes, sometimes people can do this in a very short period of time. But what if you took you know, one day this week and said, I have absolutely no electricity for five days. What is my plan? And pick, these are the things that are threats to me. Losing all of your employees at one time or contractors could be a threat. Do you have all of the stuff they're doing on a base like monday.com or somewhere else that if you lost everybody, you could plug somebody back in and know exactly where you're at. And that's where I find people fall down is they don't have that uh, contingency plan And then there's a whole different area that we talk about where you mentioned sickness. You know, do we have disability? Do we have a disability buyout with a partner? That's something that can be put in place. So there's many different layers, but we just kind of click away a layer one at a time, like an onion, just a little bit at a time. And it does not always require that you spend a lot of money.
1: Yeah, but I agree. you can can
0: protect a lot of money. By just having some things in place,
1: yeah, and I I just want to tag on to that because um, I look at things through the virtual lens of <laughs> virtual staffing for most of our our community, uh, and yeah. we've gone through this uh, waves lately of the war really impact and the war in the Ukraine impacting a lot of the workforce that comes out of the Ukraine. Like I know of a company that's completely uh, not able to function because all of their workforce was in Ukraine, and obviously they're needing to deal with very life-threatening situation. We've had, um, the hurricanes take out entire villages in the Philippines where people literally lose all of their staffing overnight. So, you know, I think what you're bringing to the table is, um, like, be aware of what your, um, Vulnerabilities are with the way you're running your business and where how you're staffing is, so that you have a way to get back up and running quickly if something does unexpectedly happen. So it's a great point.
0: Well, and um, for those of you who haven't thought about it um, for uh, years, when I lived stateside, I had a motorhome. Do you know what my motorhome was? My motorhome was my mobile office because anything was really bad. All I had to do is get in that sucker and drive a couple of hours down the road. And I could start up again, and we've had businesses that were service-based businesses that were in devastated communities, lost their locations, get in the car, drive a couple of miles down, rent something or whatever, and you could drive back and forth because they had to have a location. So where what can you do so that you are not the business that's out of business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you- such a great idea you may find you absolutely go through the roof because you can provide where others in your community are absolutely dead in the water. Don't be that, don't be that business.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to look at that strategy for uh wildfire season here <laughs> where I live. We get a lot of wildfires. So uh, it's nice. It's a great strategy to, to be able to relocate easily, not just for my business, but all of us because hotels book up very quickly when everybody's displaced. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs wait way too long to deal with. And I'm kind of curious what your strategy is here. You talk about the cost-effective trifecta approach to domain trademark and logo design. And we had several guests here that talk about the um, compelling reasons to do this earlier and people still don't do it. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Well, I have seen people that have spent and wasted a lot of money by doing it in the wrong sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a name, whatever the name is, you like the name. The first step is always to look at the name. And in your case, Melanie, you know, a podcast, if you are thinking of expanding it to be a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, search first to see if the name exists. If the name doesn't exist, do you want to deviate it a little bit? Sometimes you can, but I'm going to caution you. Look at the other company or person who is using that name. If it is a topic that would be, how do I say this kindly? Offensive or totally unrelated from anything you want associated with, find another name. You also want to check with it and see if it is trademarked. If it's trademarked, start over, go again. And when you get to those steps, you're going to then be able to do, you've got a name, you have that, now you're going to do a logo design. And I've seen people that have messed up on the logo design, because on the logo design, maybe you love multicolors. You look at this behind me, I've got lots of colors, it's wonderful. But when you go to reproduce that, every one of those colors can cost you more, depending upon what you're planning to do with it. So I recommend that you do the logos after you've made sure the name's available, you've snagged it, you've already paid for that domain, you're getting your trademark application going, you're getting your logo. That logo, I want you to take it and have it on black, on white, and I want you to do white on black and that will give you the absolute most flexibility to use that logo. And if you use gradients or a a variety of colors, you may discover that in solid black or solid white, it just really doesn't work. And that gives you the chance to change that before you ever turn it in. So that's part of my trifecta is you know, make this work, but keep it cost effective. And some of you are going to be looking at domain names. I see them all the time that are five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Do you really need to spend the five or 10 grand on the domain name? And can you change it a little bit or do something different, just a little, so that you're getting yours for, you know, 10 bucks? So, you know, be be very conscious of how you're doing it and what you're spending on it to get what you want.
1: Yeah, such a great point. And and if you're doing it all at once, it's going to be more cost effective because trust me, you're going to need those uh, different colored (laughs) images in your marketing down the road. So you might as well pay for them all up front when when you're doing it at once. So I love that. I never would have thought of that, but it's it's true. Let's just go a little bit more into the integration between our personal and our business side. And I think this is where people get very confused and they get conflicting information about, you know, the best ways to manage their personal assets in their taxes. Let's just talk a little bit about what are some um, of what's some of your advice to help us navigate the personal and business uh, integrations, if you will, of taxes? And and what, what are we not taking advantage of there?
0: Uh, the titling of your assets. It's one of the places I see people mess up on all the time. Uh, on YouTube, I've got some sessions that I've filmed talking about some of these things because they're very common mistakes and they're not conversations you usually have. When you're titling your assets, there is a sequence of events that will be directly related to the titling. Whether they're titled in the business, well, who owns the business? If they're titled personally and you think you're going to mess them up with the business, you can make a convoluted mess that is going to affect you for credit reasons. And it's also going to affect you for estate settlements. And for the ugly word that starts with D, some of you will get divorced or you've already been divorced and you've experienced this. Then there's another ugly word that starts with D. It's called death. I I feel strongly that I am going to die. I am pretty comfortable that that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen to everybody that I know. It's happened to lots of people I know. So we've got to have the titling of the assets so that when we're doing taxes, estate planning, ownership, income streams, that those are arranged in the most cost-effective way for tax purposes and also for distribution. And when I want to sell my business, Because I believe every business should be sellable every day of the year. Don't tell me it's not possible. Uh, I had three things hit me at once. I decided to sell my business on a Sunday over the ocean, flying in a plane to two of the crises and I decided to sell it and I had a check in my hand Saturday and the contract was signed and done because my business was sellable every day of the year. So can yours be. But you've got to have those pieces separated with the correct titling. So when I decided to let go of a business, I could let go of it. There's none of this untangling. And some of you, I think, are messing up on the titling of your assets because you have highly appreciated assets, whether it's your business, rental properties, something else. And you are structuring those assets to make sure that you pay the most taxes possible when you sell instead of paying no tax, no capital gains taxes and getting tax deductions. So my very first thing is titling of assets.
1: Can you give me, okay, you mentioned depreciating assets, but like, so for most entrepreneurs, what would be a couple of things, assets that they may be doing this wrong with? Because my brain's like searching for, uh, oh, what, what, would that be? what would that be? All right. Uh, I'm going to use a
0: podcast for an example. Okay. Can we agree that for most podcasts, you are writing off your expenses or things as you go? So you really have no basis in your podcast. You've written it all off. When you decide to sell that podcast, everything is pure profit, right?
1: True, true.
0: So do we arrange this podcast in a way that when I sell it, because it's a valuable asset, or my uh, the what I've got off my mailing list, whatever is associated with my branding, my logo, whatever it is that I have with that, am I arranging it so that when I do let go of it, for whatever reason, that I'm going to pay the most taxes possible because it's all pure profit? That is an appreciated asset. It has nothing, and it's appreciated to whatever number is assigned to it. And some of you may have inherited property. Uh, maybe you inherited stocks, uh, you've inherited uh, a rental property or whatever. Well, you're thinking about selling it, but you know, I inherited it and it was worth 200000 Well, now it's worth $500,000. Okay. Well, can we change anything so that instead of giving the money away in taxes, you get
1: to keep it? I love that. Oh my gosh. This is like a very intriguing area that I'd never considered. So uh, this is, this is a hot area. We're, we're going to have to unpack that at a greater level uh, in the green room. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is intriguing. I love it. Uh, hearing, hearing ways that we can uh, think long-term about the, the um, profit potential in our selling our podcast. So you opened up so many things that we should be looking at. Um, If somebody was like, okay, obviously I need to scour my business for these potential profit drains and these black holes. What's the best place for them to start with you?
0: Well, one of the things that they can do is I have got a free digital book uh that is at thesecretprofits.com folks it'll also be in the show show notes so if you can't write it down don't worry about it and in it i have put seven i will call them low hanging fruit that is very easy where anybody could really flip your bottom line i would say anywhere from 10 to 100,000 and intriguing <laughs> it, it goes back to you you go in different areas pick a little bit here Pick a little bit here. And then I have much more available than that on individual courses and consulting. But just those low-hanging fruit is to help open your eyes to so many things that you don't even think of. Because when you're in the midst of um, running your business and working in your business, sometimes it's really hard for you to step out of it to work on the business with a perspective that isn't yours. You sometimes need someone else to look at it and go, oh, I, you could do so-and-so. And we all do this. You walk in someone's house, you walk in a, a restaurant or whatever and go, you know, if they only did so-and-so, <laughs> but they can't always do it themselves because you're just so used to it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the to get Amy's free digital book again we will link that up in the show notes for you because if you're if you're not really looking at this part of your business i think it's a really um vital piece of profit building is to also look at profit savings like where where are you not putting time and attention into Uh, optimizing your profit levels. So I'm so glad you brought these things up. Amy, this is the time in our conversation where I like to just get to know you, the person, the business owner a little bit better. Uh, I'm very curious to hear how you're going to answer these things. Uh, What is the boldest thing you've ever done to amplify the profits of your own business and maybe even the growth of your own business? The boldest thing I ever did.
0: The boldest thing I ever did was watched a presentation and looked at it and said, I need that. I could do that. And took out my checkbook, so to speak. It was credit cards. And I put over, um, let's just say that it was more than five figures and said, yes, this, I believe that I will be able to leverage this into much more. I need that. I need that training. I need that support. I need those tools. I need Uh, I need that lion to follow because that lion can give me not only the wisdom, the knowledge, um, the processes that I don't have, but they can help me build the future. So that was probably one of the boldest with, and if you think five figures to me doesn't mean much, you're wrong. It means just as much to me as five figures means to you. Yeah. Then I did Uh, it. And then I wrote a check again, so to speak for an identical amount less than 12 months later for another area mm. if you're and not going to put it in your business how why do you expect other people to put it in
1: there you go that is what I tell my clients all the time if you're not investing at the highest level that you expect a client to invest in you it's very hard energetically to stand in congruence and ask for that like there there will always be an energetic just dis- disconnect I'm so glad you said that. So I'm just curious just to take that one step deeper. It sounds like you've implied that it was a really good return on investment. Was it? It
0: has been an extremely good investment because, uh, you know, it goes back to time and money, folks. I could Mm -hmm. have taken time over the next five, 10 years and still have been behind the curve to try and learn and understand and get all of this stuff. Or I could go, like I said, go behind the lion who already had the presence, already had it, and come up and mimic or uh, model that and bypass all that wasted time and learn things that I never knew or would not probably have found out on my own. That's the difference is it's it's okay. Let me uh, if it makes some of you feel better. I am very stupid in certain areas. I am uneducated. I am not knowledgeable. It is not my field. Some of them I will embrace and I will learn well. Some of them I'm going to pay other people to do because they're fabulous at it. And it is not my gift.
1: Yeah. Well said. As you're looking back on your journey from today, all the way back to the beginning, And knowing what you know now, is there one thing that you're like, man, if I had just done that sooner, I could have really propelled or fast-tracked my my growth. What would that be?
0: I should have left an affiliation years before I did. Um, There was an affiliation because of the, the practice and the consulting and the things that I have done for many, many years that held me back. There were things that you were not allowed to do when it came to technology, Um, you were not allowed to gather references or accolades, um, anything like that endorsements. Oh my gosh, that was just like horrible that anybody would know you were good at it. And I think sometimes we stay in relationships, uh, that are holding us back and we don't realize how much we're giving up until we have been released from the chains that we've been under, because you don't realize how much they have held you back until they have no power over you anymore.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I, I, no one's ever brought that up. So I'm really glad that you did. Cause I, I've had several clients over the years stayed too long in some kind of affiliation or partnership and yeah, like the world just boomed open for them when they had the courage to release that. So what a great example. Thank you, Amy. Amy, thank you so much for Just bringing this new lens on how we can uh, grow our profitability by looking into our blind spots. It's like you've opened up some really powerful things to look at. I hope as you're listening in today that you're going to take a new lens and look at your business through these uh, prompts that Amy has given us. Go get her book. Uh, We will link that up in the show notes and look through that book with the idea that, you know, if I could add more profitability by, resolving, you know, these areas, like you're just basically getting free money. It's like, you're just doing something slightly different and getting free money. So Amy, thank you for expanding our uh, brains today.
0: Oh, it has been great. And for those of you who haven't been paying attention, you know, this is one of those binge worthy podcasts. I know when I first discovered it, I listened to several episodes. So it's been a real pleasure of mine to be in that group. So I hope we're, we're I'm in a binge worthy group too. So do that.
1: uh Great. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate
0: that. If you're new to the podcast, you really should look back over some of those episodes. There are some phenomenal nuggets of gold in there that really could um, leap your business in so many ways. i encourage you to do that.
1: Thank you very much. It's always my great uh, win of the day when a guest shares that with me. So thank you, Amy. Thank you for being one of our great uh, uh, amplifier, uh, part of our great amplifier community.